Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Fans of the Peterborough Peets are jumping for joy. The same cannot be said for fans of the Portland Winterhawks. And you know Hockey Canada is smiling from ear to ear. We got an epic matchup in the WHL this weekend and a lot more to talk about as well. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Gee Flaming. It's great to have you on board this week. And I just want to take a moment and say if you're new to the program, then welcome aboard. And I hope that you'll be back for more. And all of you returning listeners, it's uh, great that you're back. And for those of you who have signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show, then big shout out to you uh, for signing up and uh, showing that extra support. A couple of bucks a month, you get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show. Plus, you get an advance notice of who's coming on the program so that you can submit questions for those guests. And a recently uh, changed feature as well that uh, you can subscribe monthly or annually if you uh, and you get a discount for doing it annually. So a couple of bucks a month or a couple of bucks less 10% a month if you do it annually. All of that can be found at patreon.com slash show. Hey, the program is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky in Alberta. It's fresh and, and marinated and spiced just perfectly, and it's uh, it's not tough like some of the ones that you used to buy at the convenience store and things like that, where you take a bite and you'd have to pull it up, ah, and it gets caught in your teeth. And Not Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Wilhawk is so fresh and tender and delicious uh, it's it's fantastic and if you're in the uh, local area you can go to spruce grove or leduc and pick it up there but if you're in western canada you can get in contact with trent in leduc and uh, they will ship it to you anywhere in western canada any order any size anywhere and it comes to you vacuum sealed and fresh so that when you open it it's good to go and uh, you'll be happy that you did wilhawk beef jerky.com wilhawk is spelled w-i-l-h-a-u-k this week on the program, just two guests. Uh, American Thanksgiving uh, kind of got in the way of a, a couple of uh, guest plans that I had. Actually, one uh, and uh, another one was a player in Europe that uh, looked like it was going to come together and didn't, but should happen in time for next week's show. Uh, so this week, unfortunately, just two guests on the program, which you longtime listeners know that three is kind of the minimum for me, so I apologize that it's going to be a shorter show. I'll tell you who those two guests are. In a moment, but let's talk uh, some news and notes. Uh, the CHL Top 10, dominated by the Western Hockey League right now. 
The Winnipeg Ice are number one, followed by Everett, Kamloops, and Edmonton. So the top four teams in the Canadian Hockey League all coming in from the WHL. The London Knights are number five. Then you've got uh, Charlottetown, Sherbrooke, Mississauga, North Bay, and Ramouski as the number 10 team. The honorable mentions this week go to Kingston, Gatineau, and the Red Deer Rebels, who we just saw here in Edmonton on Wednesday. That is, it's a fun team to watch. They're, they've got size, they've got speed, they play uh, with tenacity. It's a good team. Uh, but the epic matchup this weekend sees the Everett Silver Tips, who have uh, still only lost the one game via shootout, as a matter of fact. They are the number one team in uh, the WHL. If you go by winning percentage, they've played fewer games than the Winnipeg Ice. Winnipeg's played 21 games, have a record of 20-1. and That's a 9.52 winning percentage. Everett's only played 17 games, so four fewer games. But they're 16-0-0-1 with a 9.71 winning percentage. So, going by that, Everett is the number one team. The Kamloops Blazers playing terrific hockey as well. They're 15-2. and so those two teams will collide on Saturday. That will be a must-see TV for a lot of fans. And that game is in Everett. Mentioned uh, Mason McTavish is back in Peterborough. The Anaheim Ducks uh, get him to uh, nine games and then send him back. Uh, the same cannot be said for the Portland Winterhawks and uh, Seth Jarvis, as he is going to stay with the Carolina Hurricanes this year. So that's a, a big loss for Portland. It's a big gain for Peterborough, and it's also a big gain for uh, Hockey Canada as he'll be playing in the World Junior Championship this year. Seth Jarvis could still, so could Cole Sillinger. They're still eligible, but as uh, Sam Cosentino points out in his uh, article at sportsnet.ca, it's hard to see how their GMs uh, those of those two NHL clubs would release those players. Both of those players are playing over 14 minutes a game and contributing. I mean, uh, Jarvis, uh, last I saw, he was on a five-game goal-scoring streak, so quite possibly not going to be expecting either of those two players at the World Junior Championship this year. Uh, that article of uh, Sam's also mentions a couple of Philadelphia Flyer prospects who would be eligible, but both of them are hurt. Ty Forster and uh, Zade Wisdom, both, neither one, uh, looks like they're going to be uh, available uh, for Canada for the World Juniors. So there's a few players who were at the uh, summer camp that won't be available uh, for Hockey Canada, and that uh, begs the question, okay, who, who will be available? And uh, two names that uh, that keep coming up to me that weren't there in the summer, but Matthew Savoy is currently leading the WHL in scoring, and Carter Savoy is I, he's three points behind top spot in NCAA scoring. How do you not have both of those guys invited to camp, let alone on this team? Uh, it's going to be a tough team to make. There, this it's again a stacked team, but right now, who in the WHL is outperforming Matthew Savoy? Uh, I mean, you can make the argument that nobody is. And I think most people would expect Kent Johnson from uh, Michigan to be on this team. But Savoy is right there in scoring. He's two points back of Johnson in scoring. It's funny. I was uh, kind of making up little lines and things. You could almost make a, a line of uh, Winnipeg Ice players with Savoy and uh, Connor McLennan. McLennan was uh, invited in the uh, summer sessions uh, for Hockey Canada. So he's very much on the radar, and one of the top scorers in the WHL right now, too. Uh, Connor Geeky, who wasn't, and I, I probably don't expect him to be on this team, but you know that would be a pretty competitive line. In fact, why don't you just take the two Savoys and have McLennan playing with them? Not a very big line, but you, know, you look at three guys like that, could be a pretty effective trio. And I don't think Jalen Lipen is going to get an invite to camp, but you could have him and uh, Jake Neighbors 
and Dylan Gunther. And then you could have three guys from the Kamloops Blazers and Logan Stankoven and Matthew Semenoff and Caden Bankier. There's always been the argument that the, the three CHL leagues could actually ice a pretty competitive uh, entry into the World Junior just from their own leagues. I think you could, but I'd still like to see that as the, uh, you know, instead of the Canada-Russia series, let's see a, a WHL versus OHL versus Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, you know, a couple of games each. I think that would be a lot of fun. Anyway, we should be seeing the camp rosters for Hockey Canada here, I would think, pretty shortly. Uh, I'm told that the camp will open down in uh, Cowtown in Calgary the weekend of uh, December 10th, 11th. I think players, uh, the All Kings are expecting, well, I think everybody's expecting neighbors, Gunther and Kosa, not just to be invited, but to be on that team. Uh, they will be in Winnipeg. They'll play against the ice on the 8th. They also play against the ice on the 10th, but those three guys would be gone, and I assume that McLennan and Savoy would be gone as well from uh, Winnipeg. Uh, they will be in Calgary that weekend to start World Junior Camp. The World Junior Month here on the Pipeline Show starts next week. A couple of guests already lined up who will be uh, expected to be playing in that tournament. But I threw out the question of the day on uh, Twitter uh, yesterday to get some uh, feedback from the audience. And the question reads, you can find it on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. The goaltenders that Hockey Canada invited to their summer U-20 camp were Garen Bjorklund from Medicine Hat, Brett Broshu from the London Knights, Sebastian Kosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Dylan Garand of uh, the Kamloops Blazers, and Tristan Lennox from the Saginaw Spirit. The question is, who should they invite to the December camp? Uh, I think there are three automatics. I think uh, Garand, Kosa, and Broshu those probably are the three guys if Canada's taken three, and I think they will. I don't know that for sure, but to me, those are the three guys that uh, should be on the team. But I put it out to the audience, who else deserves uh, an opportunity? Uh, Brock Otten, who you heard recently as a guest from McKean's uh, here on the program uh, last week, the week before, uh, he says I would probably go with Kosa, Brochu, and Grand, and uh, Ben Goudreau from the uh, Sarnia Sting as the uh, fourth guy at camp. The Weeda Maniac says that Kosa, I predict, will be the starting goaltender. Uh, Dana says if they want to win, then Kosa is the starter. Everyone else trying for the number two spot. Johnny Say with an interesting name. He's or He didn't actually offer up an interesting name. He says the last 10 he came out of the CCHL, that of course being Devin Levi, who was fantastic for Canada last year. Uh, Jess Rubenstein, who said, uh, covers the New York Rangers prospects, he says Kosa and Grand are the favorites. I don't disagree, uh, although I think Broshu uh, will be uh, right in that mix as well. Twitter handle just Tatanka, he offers up the, the name Logan Turnus, which is uh, an interesting one because he plays for the Trail uh, Smoke Eaters out of the BCHL. Really nice numbers, though, this year. And maybe that's a guy, I don't know if he's even on the radar, but with the season he's having, maybe he's played his way into consideration. So if you want to offer me up another name, you can do so at TPS underscore Gee. Just going to pull up Michigan's schedule here. Remember last year with Michigan, they uh, there were complications. Uh, Canada wanted to have that really long camp uh, so that everybody could report into Red Deer and have plenty of time to quarantine and all that stuff. I don't think they're going to have those issues this year. But the Michigan Wolverines, who and Owen Power, should have been on the team last year. But because of that uh, situation, he didn't go. Well, the Wolverines play that weekend, the 10th and 11th again, against Ohio State. Then they're off until just after Christmas. So I wonder if guys like uh, Kent Johnson and Owen Power, if they come in 
after that weekend or if they will actually play for Canada the weekend of the 10th and 11th. I guess that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm guessing, uh, since I mentioned uh, Carter Savoy, uh, Denver also playing there on the road against the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs that weekend. Mentioned the leading scorers in the WHL is the leading scorer, rather, is Matthew Savoy and Connor McLennan right behind him. Uh, Mikey Milne of the Winnipeg Ice. All three are from the Winnipeg Ice. They're the top three scorers in the league. Tristan Robbins of the Saskatoon Blades is next, followed by Logan Stankoven. Out in the queue, William Dufour from the St. John Sea Dogs is uh, the top scorer, although he's tied with Xavier Simino, who, not big, but putting up big numbers. And uh, he was another player mentioned in Sam Cosentino's article at sportsnet.ca. Xavier Borgo, who is the Edmonton Oilers prospect, plays for uh, Shawinigan. And Joshua Roa uh, with the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Probably keep an eye on both of those guys in terms of uh, Hockey Canada invites as well. And that parity in the queue continues uh, moving forward. Just looking for a team that's on a big heater or something. And Charlottetown, Charlottetown is on the five-game winning streak. Other than that, there is nobody who has won more than two games in a row. Excuse me, Bay Como, the last place team in the league, has won three in a row. Outside of that, it's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It's tough to get separation in the queue this year. And I, I'm a fan of parity. I think that's good. I think it's more interesting. It keeps the fans more engaged, keeps the players and the teams more engaged. Well, Sherbrooke and Charlottetown hold top spot in the queue right now with 29 points. The Rimouski Oceanique are next followed by Gatnoke and Quebec and Shawinigan. There are only, there's less than 10 points separating first from 13th in the queue. That's that's fantastic. The top scorers in the OHL right now, Brandon Coe has taken over the uh, top spot. He's got 36 points in just 20 games. Peterborough's Tucker Robertson is, uh, I'm sure he's happy to have Mason McTavish back, but he's second in league scoring right now. Sasha Pasajov, who was uh, leading it uh, last week, has been uh, passed by those two players. He's still got 31 points, though. Matvey Petrov in North Bay has 30 points, as does Rory Cairns from the Sioux Greyhounds and Lucas Edmonds of the Kingston Frontenacs. The London Knights have a cushion atop the OHL standings, especially in their conference. They've got a seven-point gap between they and themselves and second-place Sioux Greyhounds and Guelph Storm, who are tied with 22 points. And in the Eastern Conference... A little bit uh, tighter race. Uh, North Bay has 25 points, followed by Hamilton and Mississauga. Both of those teams have games in hand on North Bay, and they only trail by one point. So by winning percentage, Mississauga's in first place, followed by Hamilton, and then and then actually Kingston, who has only played 16 games. So uh, it's a much tighter race in the OHL's Eastern Conference. Hey, we didn't do a top 20 in the CJHL last week, so let's do that this week. And for the fourth week in a row, the Brooks Bandits out of the AJHL are the number one team in uh, Canadian Junior A hockey. The Western Capitals of Summerside from the Maritime Hockey League are number two. The Spruce Grove Saints are number three. So two AJHL teams in the top three. The Panthers of St. Jerome are number four, followed by the Ottawa Junior A Senators, the Timmins Rock, the College Francais de Longueuil. The Dauphin Kings, the Fort Mac Oil Barons are number 9. The Trenton Golden Hawks are 10. The 11 through 20 goes like this. The Cam River Fighting Walleye. The Humboldt Broncos, the Winnipeg Blues, Estevan Bruins, Steinbach Pistons, Powassan Voodoos, Pickering Panthers, Red Lake Miners, the Edmonston Blizzard, and those Pembroke Lumber Kings come in at number 20. 
The Tri-City Storm are red hot in the USHL's Western Conference. They've won eight in a row. The Chicago Steel in the Eastern Conference have separated themselves from the pack. They've got 30 points. Madison is next with 22, but Madison is winless in their last three games. Uh, the Chicago Steel will play the U18 squad from Team USA this weekend. So a tough test there for the Steel and for Team USA. Now, if you looked at the USHL standings, you'll see Team USA is dead last in the Eastern Conference. They've only won three of 12 games. Keep in mind, it's mostly the U17 squad playing against the USHL as the U18s just got back from Europe and have been playing a lot of college teams. So uh, the bulk of the schedule for the U18s is outside of the USHL. It's only like a third of their games that they actually play in the league which is why a lot of scouting or most of the scouting community separates them when it comes to their rankings. Obviously, the USHL does not. Top scorers in the USHL right now, not a surprise to see the Chicago Steel well represented once again. Jackson Blake remains in first place with 26 points, but Stephen Halliday from Dubuque, who was on the show very, very recently, he is now second with 25 points. Adam Fantilli from Chicago is next with 24 the hot teams in the North American Hockey League, the North Iowa Bulls, are 5-0-0-1 right now, as and the Minot Minotauros are 4-0. When it comes to winning percentage, the uh, the Iowa Bulls, the North Iowa Bulls, rather, are tops in the North American Hockey League right now with a 7-37 winning percentage. They've played 19 games. They're 13-4-0-2. Meanwhile, Amarillo has the same winning percentage, but a different record, 14-5. They do play in two different uh, divisions. The New Mexico Ice Wolves are uh, right behind Amarillo in both the South Division and in the overall standings. While the league's top scorer uh, continues to be Tommy Bannister with 31 points, plays for the New Jersey Titans. And lastly, let's check in with the NCAA and the uh, top 20 poll at USCHO coming into this weekend's play. Minnesota State has 38 first place votes. That's good enough for the number one ranking, Minnesota Duluth, the Bulldogs, go up from number four to number two. And Quinnipiac is the number three team. Michigan falls from the first place the pedestal to number four this week. St. Cloud State also tumbles. They go from two to five. The rest of the top 20 goes North Dakota, Western Michigan, Notre Dame, Omaha. Cornell is 10. The Golden Gophers of Minnesota are followed by Denver, Massachusetts, Providence. UMass Lowell is 15. Harvard, Ohio State, Northeastern, Boston College, and Bemidji State rounds out the top 20. Uh, Boston College had to postpone this weekend's games and next weekend's games due to COVID. And your top scorers currently in the NCAA, six of the top 12 uh, scorers are Canadian, by the way. Uh, Nathan Smith from Minnesota State has 22 points. He's the top scorer right now, but Taylor Ward, who was just on the show, comes from Kelowna. He is uh, next, tied with Kent Johnson and uh, Matt Copperud. Then you've got uh, the Frenchman, Louis Boudon, tied with Hank Crone and uh, Owen Power, Canadian. Ethan Frank has 19 points, as do Carter Savoy, Jack McBain, and Drew Warrod, who are all Canadian. All guests uh, appear on the Pipeline Show, courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And the fine folks at Troubled Monk are having some fun right now, as there are 32 different brews that they've uh, got matched up. In their craft beer bracket, they call it Monk Madness. You can get free home delivery. You go to troubledmonk.com shop and you uh, use promo code PIPELINE. And 
If you live between Calgary and St. Albert, including all of Edmonton and Fort Saskatchewan and Airdrie and, of course, Red Deer, Sylvan Lake is involved as well, uh, Leduc, all the other towns along Highway 2, you can get free home delivery just by uh, placing that order at troubledmonk.com shop and using promo code PIPELINE. As I mentioned at the start, just two guests this week. We will begin with those red-hot Everett Silver tips and the new play-by-play man there. He was He's so new, in fact, couldn't partake in the preseason Silver Tips preview that we did. Remember, we had uh, head coach slash GM Dennis Williams on the program to do that back then. Uh, well, we've got the play-by-play guy now. His name is Casey Bryant. Uh, real fun conversation with him. We start, we obviously talk a lot about the Everett Silver Tips, but then we get to know him a little bit, as I like to do with uh, the broadcasters, especially when they're on the show for the first time. His stops along the way before he got to Everett include Danbury, Connecticut. And uh, if you know two things about Danbury, at least I do, it, it was the home of the Danbury Trashers. And if you haven't seen that, uh, the biography about the, the Trashers on Netflix, uh, you might want to look that up because it's, it's extremely entertaining. And uh, comedian John Oliver's show last week tonight, uh, they had a feature with uh, an ongoing uh, fun rivalry with the city of Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, both of those subjects come up in that conversation with Casey Bryant. I think you're going to enjoy that conversation. Uh, and then from there, the other guest this week is a 2022 draft-eligible player with the U.S. National Development Program. Guy everybody is expecting to be taken in the first round. Just came back from a, a terrific performance in Europe. Isaac Howard is his name. He goes by Ike. So we will hear from Ike Howard today on the program as well. So just the two guests. We'll start with the Everett Silver Tips, Casey Bryant is up first here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Dallas fed him the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. Hart doesn't have it, does he? No, he kept it out. What a stop by Carter Hart right on the goal line. Woof, skipped off his glove, and it stayed out by millimeters. Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. It's definitely one worth talking about. Tell them why, bud. Juicy Gossip New England Pale Ale. This bright and full-flavored IPA is flashy and delicious. Tropical flavors of pineapple and mango dominate this perfectly hoppy beer. Player comparable? Alex Ovechkin. Specialized job and every time is a party. Troubled Monk. Visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming and boom goes the dynamite hey we're back on the pipeline show with gee flaming and we are going to talk a little whl hockey in this segment and of course the program is brought to you by wilhock beef jerky that is alberta's best beef jerky if you haven't had any yet then uh, you can get it if you're in western canada you can get any order, any size shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada. Just contact Trent in Leduc, Alberta, and uh, they'll have that order vacuum sealed and shipped out to you. Unfortunately for my next guest, uh, I guess maybe when he crossed the border, Casey he might be able to get some uh, Wilhock. Get it sent to one of the other team uh, broadcasters, and uh, they'll share it with you. How about that? Casey Bryant, the voice of the Everett Silvertips, is my guest. Welcome to the program, Casey. Hey, thanks so much, Guy. You know, I'm still kind of learning what the Canadian delicacies are. I only just <laughs> had Canadian 
Artie's for the first time last week. Got to tell you, it changed my life. Canadian what? Because the phone just cut out when you said it. Oh, Canadian Smarties. Uh, oh, okay. American Smarties are apparently very different. They have, they're like these chalky things that are yeah. in a, uh, a cellophane wrap. But Canadian Smarties are like are kind of like M&Ms where there's the chocolate with the, the shell on it. Had no idea those existed. They're very good. Yeah, the, the big difference between uh, what we call Smarties and your chocolate M&Ms, and we have those here too, uh, the Canadian Smarties definitely do melt in your hand, unlike the uh, the M and M's. I think it takes a lot longer. It might eventually melt in your hand, but yeah, Smarties you just got to take, just uh, pop them right into the into your mouth from the box. Um, and we have what you call Smarties. We have up here as well, but they call them rockets here for some reason. I, I so I've heard. So I've heard. That's bizarre. But anyway, I'm, I'm still learning. I've got a box of Kinder Surprise eggs on my desk as well. So I'm, I'm going bit by bit. <laughs> Is it true that they're not allowed in the States? Like they're banned because of the, the small little toys? <laughs> yeah. No, that's 100% true because the toys inside. I remember when I was a kid, uh, there was a candy that was advertised all the time called the Wonder Ball. Uh, and it was like this chocolate ball with a hollow inside and it had a hard candy in the middle. And a kid choked on the candy. And uh, and that like banned all candy with like anything inside, solid inside. So that, that's that is not allowed in the states. You're right. Wow, that's amazing. No Kinder surprises, but hey, everyone can have a gun. Uh, okay, well, we'll try not to get too political here, but let's talk a little hockey. And uh, well, obviously the the Everett Silvertips are the uh, the story of the Western Conference right now. Off to a fantastic start. Now most people will hear this. Starting on Friday, as we, you and I are talking right now, it's Monday. The the tips do play on this coming Wednesday against the Tri City Americans. But right now, fifteen oh oh and one, just one blemish, it's a very small blemish, an overtime loss or a shootout loss uh, this season. I don't know that anybody could have predicted this good of a start for the Silver Tips. They're always consistently good, but I know at the start of the year, talking with Dennis Williams here on the show, there was a question of you know who's going to score the goals for this team. Uh, and it seems like that's been answered already, too. Has this surprised you and, and the fan base, maybe, about this start for the tips? I tell you what, the fan base has come to expect a certain level of excellence, at least from I, from my early understandings here of being an Everett. So I think that, you know, I, I saw one stat where, like, the, the Silver Tips have had a 10-game point streak every season since 2014-15. Hmm. Uh, so I think that, that this organization is held to a very high standard by a very demanding fan base, a very demanding management group and coaching staff. So the players are expected to be giving their best night in and night out. And they're getting a hundred percent from every single guy right now, up and down the locker room from, from the very top line center to, you know, the grinders on the third pair. Uh, and the fact that you're getting two goaltenders that not, you you're swapping game after game, just trading starts, and it's almost like a game of one-upsmanship where it's anything you can do, I can do better uh, <laughs> between Cohen McKinnis and, and Braden Holt. Uh, you know, every single player is clicking and getting their moments to shine. And that's a tremendous luxury for Dennis Williams and company. So it's, it's been a really exciting start in which it's, it's a cohesive unit effort. It's not one individual carrying this team. It's, it's, Every single player is getting their chance to shine, and they're taking that opportunity, and they're running with it. Now, I know you're uh, new to the WHL, Casey, so I, I don't know that you have an answer to this, but the Everett Silvertips, that one of those consistencies that we've got to know from this team and what everybody expects is goaltending is going to be fantastic. It doesn't seem to matter who's in net. Over the last decade, 
goaltending has always been exceptional. I think you could play a net for this team right now, Casey, and still be having a, an over 900 save percentage. It doesn't <laughs> seem to matter. Why? Why? What's the secret in Everett? Well, I, I wish I was that flexible. Maybe I was <laughs> uh, when I was a little younger uh, playing street hockey. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, those days, I think, have passed me by. Uh, but I think that, you know, you talk about the goaltending factory that really Everett has become from the, the baton pass off of, of Carter Hart to Dustin Wolf to now Cohen McInnes and Braden Holt. Uh, I think a lot of that gets credited to uh, the coaching staff here where, uh, you know, I'm a New Yorker, so I'm used to like, you know, Benoit Lair, who's the Rangers goaltending coach, is, is hailed as a god because every backup behind Henrik Lundqvist always plays well. So I think that James Jensen gets that same kind of credit where he works with Cohen McInnes and Braden Holt and all these netminders for the silver tips over the years. And he's able to get them to where their positioning is just right. Their angling is just right. And not only that, I think it also is a testament to the blue liners on this team because uh, the goaltenders are seeing every shot, you know, they, they're getting clear sight, which when uh, you're a goaltender and you're able to see the puck all the way from stick to body, you exponentially increase your chances of, of stopping the shot. So I think that it's just systematically working well. And these are two really fundamentally sound goaltenders as well. So it's just, uh, it, it makes it a very fun game to watch. Uh, whenever a goaltender gets to put on a strong performance and they're hot, you can kind of feel it up and down the bench. Uh, and Cohen and Braden have both been fantastic. Well, you look at the standings, and uh, again, as we speak right now, Everton Kamloops, not that uh, all that much separates them in the standings, but when it comes to goals for and goals against, you can really see the differences between the two teams. Kamloops filling the net, Everett winning it by not letting the opposition score. I mean, there's 20 goals difference between Everett and Kamloops right now, but points-wise in the standings and success rate, the two teams are getting it done very differently. I know there's a, a pretty epic matchup coming up between the two teams. Yeah, that's going to be a really exciting one. And I think that's going to be the biggest test to date uh, for the Silver Tips. And, uh, you know, we're coming off a weekend here in Everett where it was four games in six days and a three and three that ended against the Seattle Thunderbirds, who are themselves a heck of a team. Uh, and it was a really hard fought battle between two tired teams. It kind of was like the end of Rocky two <laughs> where, uh, where Rocky and Apollo are trading blows and they can both barely stand in the ring. Uh, that's kind of what watching Sunday was like. Uh, so with a little bit of rest and, and, you know, gearing up for this big week, you know, you have tri city Wednesday, Victoria Friday, and neither one of those teams, uh, record, notwithstanding, neither one of them is a slouch. Uh, and then it ends with Saturday on in Cam or against Kamloops, and uh, they're a really strong team, really quick, uh, really really fast. Having watched a lot of their games, uh, which is a big big uh, task now at hand for the Silvertips forecheck to try to find a way to to force them to the perimeter and slow their game down. So that's going to be a really, really fun one. I hope that fans out there are circling their calendar because that's going to be a fun one. Is this an offense by committee team? Like there isn't just one or it's not a one line team. It's, it seems like everybody is contributing. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, Michael good on the top line is a great puck distributor, but he's got a couple of great wingers in Hunter Campbell and Austin roost. Uh, you know, the line of sweat, Lacoff, right. And Berezowski has been clicking. I mean, you have uh, your third line right now. Ryan Hofer is a bulldozer on the puck. Ben Hemmerling. So, so fast. 
Nico Hootenen is an NHL draft pick with the Lightning, and he's a big-bodied winger. He's skating on the third line right now when I think, you know, any one of those three, hope for Hemmerling or Hootenen, could be a top-six guy, bona fide top-six guy anywhere else in the WHL. Uh, the fourth line has been really, really good lately. Rowan Woodward got his first point last weekend. Bo Courtney is scoring. Matthew Ng is a really, really pesky forward. He's great. Uh, the defense is all getting their moments. I mean, it's, I, I sound like I'm just keeping effusive praise onto this team, but it's, <laughs> it's true. I mean, every single guy up and down is is contributing. Where And that eases pressure. I think off of the guys that skate on the top line or, or the second line where, you know, you don't always have to be the guy that fills the net because you have a, a, a unit beside you uh, that's making things happen. Uh, that's a big reason why the silver tips have been successful as they are. You can heap praise on a team when they're 15 0 and one to start the season. No question. I mean, there's been so much attention paid at least in the uh, Eastern conference to the Winnipeg ice and rightly so as well. 19 and one, and they got off to an 11 and 0 start. Uh, but it seems like a lot of people maybe aren't looking at Everett in the same way and saying, you know, they've only got one again, very very small blemish in a in a overtime uh, or shootout loss. Um, but I don't see that they're getting as much hype as as the Winnipeg Ice. And it's unfortunate that unless these two teams meet in the finals, uh, that uh, they won't meet each other during the regular season. That's unfortunate. Casey Bryant is my guest. He's the voice of the Everett Silvertips. And you mentioned you're a New Yorker, and I mentioned you're new uh, to the WHL. Maybe let's uh, get to know you a little bit. Uh, how did you get into broadcasting, Casey? Oh, I've wanted to do broadcasting since I was a little kid. You know, uh, when I was growing up in, in New York, uh, I distinctly remember, like, the first game that I watched, I watched uh, you know, Bell to Bell, uh, where it was uh, it was retirement night for for Brian Leach at Madison Square Garden in 2005, 2005-2006. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm watching that game. I'm watching the ceremonies of retiring the jersey, raising it to the rafters, and Yarmir Yager scored the overtime winner that night for the Rangers. Uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is in goal. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 10 years old at that point, so I'm hooked. Uh, and, you know, I'm listening to Sam Rosen every night, uh, you know, being in New York, you're kind of spoiled by having a lot of great broadcasting talent around you. Sam Rosen, Kenny Albert, uh, in baseball, you have Gary Cohen, basketball, you have Mike Breen. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really, really wealth of riches, uh, there in New York for someone who wants to get into that industry. So, uh, you know, I, I've known since I was really young, I went to school for it at Marist college in Poughkeepsie, uh, go red foxes. And, uh, you know, I, I started working at MSG Networks fresh out of college. Uh, from there, I was doing a lot of junior games, a lot of college games. I uh, went to the Danbury Hattricks organization uh, for the Federal League and the North American League. Uh, and, uh, you know, flash forward a couple of years, and here we are out in Everett. It's been a, a fantastic journey. Now, it's been, what, a couple of months since you've been in Everett. What's the biggest difference that you're noticing right away from maybe fan base, uh, hockey fans uh, from the East Coast compared to the West Coast? Well, for me, I mean, it's the biggest arena I've ever worked in, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and it's a loud building right now. The Silvertips fans have been doing a great job of showing up in, in droves, uh, which has been really, really awesome to work in. Uh, and the first time that I stood there for the anthem, uh, ever, I'm sure fans probably already know this, there's a tradition in the anthem where you know the crowd all shouts the word fight together uh, in the first verse uh, of, of the anthem. 
And I did not know that was a thing my first game at home. So like when that happened, I jumped out of my, um, <laughs> I jumped out of my skin uh, when that when that happened. I was like, oh my god. Uh, so they've been really loud and really passionate. Uh, but I guess the biggest difference of East Coast life to West Coast life is like the start of when sports happen. Uh, I tell like football starts at ten in the morning out here. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm, I've got my I'm as as we're recording this, it's Monday. I've got my Giants hoodie on because the Giants are are playing the Buccaneers tonight. It's going to be happening right as I walk in the door yeah. uh, from work at five o'clock, as opposed to having to wait till the late hours of, of the evening. So uh, I I guess uh, that's <laughs> from a personal standpoint, that's the biggest change. Well, the only downer when it comes to TV is you don't want to get spoilers. You know, if you're watching a show or something, and all the people out east are watching sure. the same thing, they get it two hours earlier. And you got to stay off social media. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, fortunately, I'm I'm more of a, a Netflix binger than I am a live TV watcher. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm I'm able to avoid the spoilers at least. But uh, you know, even even for my games here in, in Everett, when I'm calling them, uh, my parents are back home in New York, and they have to stay up until midnight in order to hear the end. <laughs> All right, you brought up Netflix, and that's a perfect segue. I wanted to ask you about uh, your time in Danbury, and I think a lot of people when they hear Danbury, they think of well, either John Oliver and the the sewage treatment plant, the, or the documentary Untold Crime and Penalties and the Danbury Trashers. Now, you spent some time in Danbury. How long were you there calling games to, in the Federal League? So I was uh, there in Danbury for two seasons. The first one was in the Federal League in 2019-20 with the Hat Tricks. Uh, they won the Eastern Division, and that was a lot of fun. And that uh, second year that I was in Danbury, the uh, the Federal League kind of paused for COVID, uh, but the North American League came to town, and I uh, was able to still keep broadcasting those games uh, in empty buildings, but uh, still able to kind of uh, keep working, keep active, and keep enjoying uh, the game of hockey. So uh, I was there for two years. The Federal League, I tell you, is is the funniest league in America. Uh, I love it so, so much uh, because it's just – it is exactly what you would think minor league hockey is. Uh, you know, you get there to – as a fan, you go to those games to get liquored up, watch some fights, and, you know, hey, maybe if they win, uh, it'll be fun. Uh, and there's just some great stories in that league. I, I could bend your ear for hours about that. Uh, but, you know, as to the other two things that you mentioned in Danbury while I was there, uh, the John Oliver thing was really, really fun uh, to work on. Uh, when John Oliver uh, had the sewage plant renamed after him in Connecticut, uh, you know, to have a like very, 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 very small part in that uh, was really, really, really cool through our YouTube channel. We got a ton of views and a ton of attention uh, for the team and, and his staff at last week tonight was just uh, so hilarious to work with. And then the Netflix thing, I, I've met the Galanti family. I've met AJ. I've met Jimmy. Uh, they're exactly who they are in the documentary. If there's one thing that you can say about those two, they're authentic. They are just as real as can be. There's no show for the cameras. They are just pure, raw galantes. And uh, everything you hear in the documentary is 100% true. They will own up to it and admit it and wear it as a badge of pride. They are just hilarious to be around. Now, are they still in the area? They are. Uh, so Jimmy, I don't know what Jimmy's up to now. I believe he's retired from from the trash collecting business. Uh, you know, I, I, he's rumored that like he's kind of teased the media that like, hey, we might get into sports ownership again, right. which please do. 
at, at Jimmy Galante, please do. <laughs> uh, and AJ is a boxing promoter uh, in Denver, which that's a logical progression. Sure. Uh, and uh, so he's he's works for Champs Boxing out in Danbury. Uh, he did Glover to Glover Teixeira, who just won the uh, UFC title. He trains at at his gym, I believe. Uh, and uh, AJ was on uh, WWE SmackDown uh, the other night uh, at Hartford. So like he AJ has been enjoying this tour, man, and good on him. Wow, I I, I hadn't heard the whole story uh, with the Danbury Trashers, and to watch that documentary was that was unbelievable. It was it almost felt like there's no way this is possible, and yet it absolutely was. It's amazing. I wonder if the fans now who go watch the hat tricks and the junior hat tricks if they're if that's what they're expecting. And it sounds like at least in the federal level that they might be getting uh, very much of a, a Trashers experience. Oh, absolutely. If you're <laughs> so all the people that were interviewed in that documentary are people that I've met and over over just working there. Yeah. Uh, and it's surreal to like see like the place that you worked in and the place that you spent so many hours now blowing up in on an international scale. Uh, the, the the funniest thing is that the Trasher love is still so deep in, in Danbury where every night people want Trashers hockey because the Trashers, again, they, they beat the tar out of people and they won games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what people want uh, night in, night out. So people will still wear their Trasher jersey. When they have alumni nights, the Trashers always get the largest ovation. Uh, that's just, that's the love, that's the city that they want to be in. Uh, Section 102 is still a very strong contingent uh in that fan base it's so so fun uh and they all have such great admiration for the galantes and and what the trashers stood for uh you know the blue collar working man of of new haven and and danbury and western connecticut in general uh i tell you those are those are some wild stories there and and there's even some that didn't make the the documentary that that uh are still just as golden Um, it's it's so amazing. I, I love that it's taken off the way that it is. Well, Casey, listen, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I look forward to uh, next season when uh, the Oil Kings and the Everett Silvertips will actually cross paths. And if you guys are coming up here, I have no idea if, uh, if the U.S. division is coming up here or, or if the Central is going down there uh, next year. But uh, hopefully we'll get to meet in person. That would be outstanding. Thanks for your time, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Guy. A pleasure. That was Casey Bryant, the voice of the Everett Silvertips, uh, taking over for uh, Mike Benton, who is now uh, handling uh, radio hosting uh, duties for the Seattle Kraken. But uh, great to catch up with uh, Casey and and uh, get to know him a little bit. And what a he, he reflects on his time in uh, Danbury, uh, Connecticut. And uh, you know, if you haven't seen that documentary yet, it's called Untold Crimes and Punishments. It's on Netflix. It's an unbelievable story about this fella who basically buys a professional hockey team for his 17-year-old son to be the general manager of. I mean, that alone sounds like it's so far-fetched it it would be a a Hollywood movie. But it's true, and the story of what how how that plays out is uh, absolutely unbelievable. And to hear him recount, you know, what the 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 trashers have meant to that town, that's uh, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know the bit with the John Oliver uh, sewage treatment plant. If you haven't, if you don't watch last week tonight with uh, John Oliver, you should because it's freaking hilarious. Uh, but those two stories really put Danbury on the map. Um, so great, uh, great to meet Casey though, and uh, I do look forward to uh, meeting him in person, hopefully next year. 
Next on the Pipeline Show, we turn on the 2022 Draft Spotlight, and uh, joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline will be another player that you need to know for the upcoming NHL Draft. His name is Isaac Howard, plays for the National Development Team in the United States. They just came back from a trip overseas. He had a really strong event over there. Isaac Howard is his name. We'll get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Jack Rosovic from the U18 national team. Clayton Keller. Hey, this is J.C. Comfer. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. Hi, I'm Hudson Fashing. Hi, it's Brady Shea. Hey, this is John Gibson from Team USA. This is Jordan Greenway. This is Matias Samuelson. Hey, this is Sonny Milano from the US NTDP. This is Oliver Wallstrom. Hi, this is Alex Tuck. This is Ryan Lindgren. Hi, I'm Steven Santini, and I play for the U18 national team. How's it going? Kate Fitzgerald with the national team. Hey, it's Austin Matthews. Hi, this is Jacob Truba from the USA Under-18 national team development program, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! And Duncan Keith. And future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. Hey, it's the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Uh, but this is also uh, a, a 2022 draft spotlight segment with a player who's going to the NCAA. So it's a college report as well, which is always brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you're a player or you know one, uh, and they need to know what they can and can't do to maintain their college eligibility. Well, College Hockey Inc. is a great resource for that. Uh, my next guest is playing this year with the U.S. National Development Program, the U18 squad, fresh back from uh, a trip over to Europe, and uh, considered by many to be a potential first-round pick for the 2022 NHL Draft. Pleased to be joined by uh, Isaac Howard. Ike, welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but I didn't just come back from a, a pretty impressive tournament over in Europe. Uh, it seems like, at least on paper, you guys were dominating over there. Yeah, yeah, we were. So it was a, it was a great trip. It was our, our first international trip as a team. So to have that success was, was great. Considering everything in the last 20 months and all the stops and starts and COVID and not being able to travel, getting out there and representing your country and having success like that, I imagine... Any of these kind of trips are a good team builder. I have to assume this was, first off, a lot of fun, but also important for your team. Yeah, it was, first off, it was a blast. It was it was a great team bonding trip, uh, just going through all the airports and, and finally getting there and, and being in Switzerland, which was just beautiful. It, it was honestly great. And for the team, I think it just builds confidence. You know, we've been, we've been pushing towards this and, and we felt we're ready and prepared to play all these different countries and, and to go out there and, and have the success that we had. I think it was, it was great for our team's confidence. Why do you think you had such a good ter- a tournament? You got four points against the Czechs, a couple against the Swiss, and uh, a goal against Sweden as well. Why do you think uh, you seem to have really clicked over there? Yeah, I think um, it was. I was just with great line mates, you know, playing with Nazar and Brindley over there. We really clicked, and uh, I think just being prepared going into it, you know, I was 
I was ready for it. The the things we do uh, leading up to that tournament as a team in, in the off ice and on the ice. So I think I was just uh, ready for it. Have your line mates been the same pretty much all season, or has that changed uh, often uh, this season as the coach is looking for the right combos? <clears throat> yeah, so they've they've been kind of changing around and seeing what's right. You know, it's kind of been early on in the season, but for the most part, I've been with uh, Nazar, and then uh, kind of the right wing has been been kind of mixed around a little bit. All right, and, and where are you lining up in that trio? Are you right in the middle? I'm on the left side and Frank okay. in the middle. All right, perfect. Yep. Have you always been a forward? Yeah, so I have I actually started off as a goalie my first um, probably one or two years when I played hockey because my, my older brother was a goalie, so I kind of kind of wanted to do that, and, and my parents uh, didn't want another goalie, so I think it was a, <laughs> it was a good call by them. Awesome. We're gonna get we're gonna uh, revisit that here in a second. Uh, I'm speaking with Isaac Howard. He's a forward with uh, Team USA's U18 squad with the development program. Uh, and uh, Ike, Ike, what we like to do in this part of the show is let our audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible, like you are. And uh, there's a, okay. a, these segments uh, quite often get a lot of attention from casual NHL fans who don't pay any attention to junior or college hockey. So for the benefit of those people, this is a a junior college hockey show, so I certainly keep tabs on the program. But uh, for those NHL fans who don't know anything about you or the program, let's start at the beginning. Uh, I know you're from Wisconsin, correct? Yep. How old were you when you first started playing? First started playing, uh, I'd have to say probably around three or four is when I first first started getting on the ice. All right, and you just mentioned older brother. That uh, would be Anthony Howard, and he being a goaltender, little brother always wants to do whatever the older brother is doing, right? So is that kind of <laughs> yeah. your, your gateway into playing hockey in the first place? Yeah, so I, I had two older brothers that already played, and, and I kind of loved the game, so I knew knew that's what I wanted to do. And becoming a goaltender, it's funny because I always ask the goaltenders what first got them interested. A lot of guys will say it's the equipment and stuff, but for you, it's just wanting to be like older brother. Yeah, I saw him doing it, and I wanted to do it. It looked fun, and... And I actually liked it. So, did you get a chance to play a little bit? Yeah, I played for like a couple seasons, and, and I think honestly, my parents were like, "Oh, we don't want to have sit through more games and and be the goalie parents." So they kind of just made me be a forward. It, well, it's it's, it's expensive for uh, to be a goalie parent for for one kid, let alone for two. But it's also it's got to be yeah, a little exactly. hard, especially on mom, isn't it, to see uh, her son giving up goals and stuff? Oh yeah, she she was always nervous at his games and stuff. Being the goalie parents is, is tough. Uh, when did you make the transition to uh, playing forward? Did you have a stop on the blue line on the way up? Uh, no, no, never, never was a defenseman. I always, always loved scoring the goals, so kind of just was a forward. When did uh, the playing for the program come into sort of reality for you, or something that was on your radar? I know you had to stop in in Shattuck for a couple of seasons, but you know, was it while you were at Shattuck or before that where you thought, you know what, the the program sounds like a pretty good uh, option for me? Yeah, so before I went to Shattuck, I kind of like was hearing about it and, and started thinking about it. And I'd say my freshman year, which was my first year at Shattuck, was when I really started uh, to think about it and know exactly that's where I want to go. And I didn't really have anywhere else that even really came close. So since then, I kind of knew that that's where I wanted to play. Well, and uh, Shattuck, you're, I mean, you've always been an offensive guy. 78 points the one year in 53 games, 64 points in just 38 games the next season. Tell me about your game and you, sort of your evolution as a player. It, it can't just be all offense all the time. So how do you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I think I I describe myself as kind of a uh, an offensive all around player that can uh, I can either, I can either score goals and I can also uh, make a lot of uh, a lot of good plays and um, just 
I think I have a creative mind out on the ice and I think that helps me see, see plays and, and make some things that, that others can't see and, uh, find soft areas and stuff like that. And then, uh, as I keep getting older, just keep expanding my, my toolbox and, you know, working on like wall plays and, and stuff like that and defensive zone that become really important as I keep climbing up. What do you see as your role with uh, just in your, in your team this year, everybody kind of has their own niche that they carve out. What, what's your specialty? Yeah, I think my specialty is just bringing that that offensive force on a nightly basis. You know, not not taking off nights and and bringing that every night, whether that's if that's uh, clicking, if it's going in, or even if it's not, just creating those chances and and change the momentum. Isaac Howard from Team USA, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, the sheet that I'm looking at says five foot ten, 183 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is. Uh, what are you at now? Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. About five ten, one eighty five. All right, you think you're done growing? I'm not sure how much uh, taller your brothers are. No, I, I think I probably got another inch in me. I'd say around 5'11 is when I think I'll, I'll get to. And then uh, my brothers are about 5'10, 5'11. And, uh, and then my younger brother's kind of getting up there. He might be might be the tallest one. Now, at 5'10, 185-ish pounds, I, I mean, you're not obviously the tallest guy in the team, but uh, certainly having success at the size that you are. Do you think, you think height is maybe a little bit overrated? Yeah, I think it's uh, overrated. You know, you can be going down on a defenseman at 6'2", 6'3". It just honestly doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's hockey, you know. Either you have it or you don't. I don't think um, height really plays a big factor in that. I've seen a lot of guys your size play at at the junior level and go on to have uh, professional success. Low center of gravity, hard guy to knock off the puck. That's kind of the adjectives that that come to mind. Uh, Is that fair for you? Yeah, I think that's fair, you know. I... uh, I'm always trying to be strong on the puck, and I kind of gained a, a lot of muscle mass throughout this summer. I think this year I've been uh, been really good and strong on the puck, which which has helped me. Now, I know your college destination of choice is uh, to join the uh, Bulldogs and uh, Scott Sandlin's Minnesota Duluth uh, team. Uh, was that an easy choice for you? You're a Michigan, or excuse me, a Wisconsin guy. Was there some draw at all to the Badgers, or was it an easy choice for you uh, once you got out to the campus there? Yeah, no. So it, it was kind of an easy choice. I uh, been a Wisconsin kid, but I live right on the border, so I've kind of, kind of always been to Minnesota for hockey and whatnot. So just seeing seeing the Bulldogs' success and and their culture there with the coaching staff, it was it was kind of an easy one for me. I knew that's that's where I wanted to be. Is that next year for you? Yep, heading in next year. All right. I know uh, the Owen Sound attack in the OHL had drafted you. Was that a consideration? Uh, I know there are guys who have gone through the program and and played the full. U17 and then the U18 uh, seasons, and then they might consider the the Canadian Hockey League. Was that an option for you that you considered? Uh, no. So I didn't I didn't really consider that that too much. I think um, just for me personally, coming here and then and then going to to college and uh, you know with, with older players, and I think that's just uh, best for my personal development. All right, no problem with that. Tell me about your thoughts on the draft. I know, as I mentioned at the start, a lot of people suggesting you're going to be a first-round pick. Is that something you pay much attention to? I'll, I'll ask a lot of players that question. Some guys say they, they actively seek out to see where they're they're ranked and things, and they use that as a motivator. Uh, other players tell me they don't want to think about the draft at all because it could be a distraction. Uh, what about for you, Mike? Yeah, so I don't I don't think it's a distraction. I think it's... Uh, you know, there's obviously pressure this year, but I think pressure can always be a good thing. And uh, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's gonna go look at my rankings and whatnot because I just, at the end of the day, it just, just doesn't matter. It's gonna come down to, 
what the NHL GMs want on, on draft day. So I don't, I don't want to pay too much attention to that and get away from my game. But, um, you know, there's definitely pressure, but I think uh, just for me, just to kind of focus on the season and play my game. And I think everyone, everything will work its way out. Is there internal competition uh, with, with the program guys in, when it comes to the draft or anything like that? Maybe, I mean, friendly competition, you guys are competing with each other in practice all the time and, and for ice time and things like that. Would the draft be any different than that? Um, I don't, I don't think the draft's too much internal competition. I mean, we don't really we don't really talk about it much as a team, but just the uh, internal competition on, on a daily basis at, that we get at the program is is honestly unbelievable, on the ice and and off the ice, just pushing each other and, and always trying to be better than the guy next to us. So I think helps the whole team out. Who impresses you the most amongst your teammates? Well, maybe I shouldn't put it that way. And let's change it and say who doesn't get enough attention, in your opinion? Who who deserves more recognition on your club? I honestly think a uh, a bunch of guys could get a lot more recognition just seeing them up close and seeing how good they are on a daily basis. Um, you know, some guys that fly under the radar that could could get more recognition could be like uh, Merrick Hader comes to mind for me. You know, I think he could get more recognition for his game. I think I think he's great. Um, but you know, just going down the lineup, I, I think a bunch of guys could could get more recognition than than what they get. You know, they're they're a lot of skilled and great players on, on the team. Your schedule is kind of evenly spread out between USHL competition, college competition, and and the international stuff. Do you have a preference of those three? Is there one that you find more meaningful? International is is my favorite experience for sure, um, because that's where we kind of get to showcase showcase um, our skills against the other countries, and, and it's pretty meaningful to win those games. But um, hmm. you know, playing the college games this year has been a blast. You know, playing the old older guys and. And those are just close games, and, and it's real hockey. And then, uh, you know, USHL still, we just uh, need to take care of business this year to um, help our younger team out and, and make them playoffs. Excellent. Isaac, I really appreciate your time, man. Best of luck the rest of the way this season with the, with the program, and we'll, maybe we'll chat again when you're uh, with the Bulldogs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was Isaac Howard from Team USA, the U18 squad, after uh, an excellent trip to Switzerland last week, back to, uh, I believe they're playing the Chicago Steel in uh, doubleheader this weekend. So tough competition in the USHL right when they get back from Europe. But uh, that team appears to be flying right now. Uh, as the kids say, I was today years old when I learned that Ike is short for Isaac. I had no idea. And it's going to be one of those things where everybody, most people who hear me say that are going to be like, how did you not know that that was a thing? I didn't. It's I know like Bob is short for Robert really doesn't make any sense, but Ike I did not know was short for Isaac. So I asked him before we started what he goes by, and he says it was Ike. So uh, that was Ike Howard from Team USA, future Minnesota Duluth Bulldog, as he uh, joins Scott Sandlin's squad next season. And with that, uh, just the two guests this week. That means it's cleanup time here on the Pipeline Show. Reminder: get your bidet. You got time before Christmas to get it in now. Get your order. At hellotushy.com slash pipeline, you'll be thanking me for it. It'll be the best Christmas present you've given yourself or to your special someone that's in your life or another family member. Maybe it's your brother's place or something like that, or uh, maybe you're for your parents. Go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline. Next week, well, it's December next week, and that means it's World Junior Month, and we kick off coverage of the upcoming 2022 World Junior Championship. It'll be here in Edmonton. I do plan on uh, being at it. Uh, for uh, as much as I can. And next week, tentatively scheduled, I'm not going to mention who they are because as things have been going here uh, recently, 
I, I mention it, and it uh, something happens. It seems like I'm jinxing things. So uh, I'm expecting to go to Europe twice for uh, interviews with uh, players, two different players from two different countries who will be representing or should be representing their country at the upcoming World Junior Championship here in Edmonton. And a couple other guests that I have in mind but haven't reached out just yet. So should be a, a fun, busy show next week. Usually I have uh, ACDC's ride on playing us out, but uh, I, I got contractually have another commercial to get in. So we're going to end the show a little bit differently than we usually do. But until next week, everybody, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, it's Don Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Now he goes cross ice, center ice to Holloway. Drop pass between his legs, white spot, three feeds Holloway, open, score! <laughs> One game, fantastic play. Holloway, white spot, back to Holloway. 1 1, wow! And you're listening to Pipeline Show. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. 